Welcome to another episode of At Home With Us. Um, thanks for joining us on this chilly afternoon here in I'm, South Africa. I'm Clive. <laughs> and I'm Melissa. And if you hear anything that sounds like something is leaking or scratching, that is Hera. It's not us. <laughs> She's on the couch with us today. She won't be saying anything. We hope. But she may. you may hear some ticking sounds in the background from her walking up and down. <laughs> so Clive, what's, happening, what's been happening this past week? Um... I don't know, I think work has been interesting and um, it makes you think, you know, we all have systems that are in place and in if you want to benefit from the system, you have to comply. So there is no freedom or liberty in accessing a system. Okay. So if you want to study, you must comply with the rules. Um, if you want to study further, you must comply with whatever your professor is interested in mm-hmm. or you're the person who has the doctorate and you the master's under them. Mm-hmm. So you don't. There is no freedom in systems. Systems aren't designed for freedom. No, they are not. And people <laughs> strive to go within a system because they believe if they'll get to the top of the system, they will then be free. But you can't be free in the system because... A system is built on everybody playing their part in yeah. the engine. So there's no one day if you study hard enough, um, you'll get to the top and then you can make the decisions. It doesn't actually work like that. Yeah, but I don't know. You can contribute, but... I think freedom is a state of mind. <laughs> okay. Um, so <clears throat> it's interesting because we have all of these submissions and things to do for educational institutions. And so they must comply with the system no matter how that system works or whether it's on or off or whatever your job as an institution is just to comply so Mm -hmm. that has been interesting this past week to observe what is compliance and and how people handle it yeah and what is not compliance and the frustrations people have from complying with something that is it's not that it's unclear it's that the way it's implemented and structured many years ago made sense. Oh, but it's not adapting to the new... Yes, and by modern day standards, people are like asking... Why must I do that? Yeah, like previously people across the spectrum wouldn't have questioned it. Hmm. And now as people become more... Millennial. (laughs) Yeah, or liberated in their thinking or have more exposure, Hmm. they're asking like, but this doesn't make sense. Why yeah. do we have to do this? Yeah, but systems should be adaptive. They can't stay the same because it doesn't make any sense. It's like that story of the fish in the pot, which we'll tell you another time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, that was interesting this past week just to see how people have grown just across the board, the different ethnicities, cultures, whatever, that they've come to a stage where they're like, you know, this thing doesn't make sense. Mm. And... It's in, it's interesting that people, and these are people who are a lot older than you'd expect, hmm. that have this outlook. And I think that that's a positive thing. Like some people are scared and just want to comply. Yeah. And other people are like, but that doesn't make sense. Okay. All right. Um, so I'm glad that people are growing and learning. So that's what I've uh, been exposed to this past week. That's yeah, been interesting. I, I think the lockdown has helped people with a lot of... Uh, South African yeah. lockdown. Everybody got stayed on with orders and whatever. Yeah, it's, it's but it's been a, a good time to reflect upon 
the whys of why we do things and the things that that we expected to do and how the world didn't stop turning even though yeah. we were locked inside yeah so i went to work for a grand total of one time this week um by accident because i <laughs> i asked some questions about hygiene and cleanliness which have taken two weeks to be addressed and still i'm not expected back at the office this week coming either so it's going to be a nice netflix holiday what's the context like in south africa what's the rules for going back to work um well i don't know what the rules are i mean the rules are basic i think the it's concept, all over the place the concept that they're trying to like get across to employers i don't understand your question <laughs> so the, my understanding is that they want to tell employers that yes the government put the country on lockdown or stay at home but now that the different levels open and you uh, people are going back to work it's not the government's responsibility to create a safe workplace oh yeah, yeah. it's the organization's yeah, responsibility the employer's to create. responsibility to make sure so on that note they had no masks for us they hadn't put together a cleaning schedule for um for facilitate facilities and they had no meeting protocols and all of that stuff so they yeah, back to the drawing board for that one and i will enjoy my home time <laughs> until that happens well, have you had anything fun? Like, I... My outlook on social media is a bit weird. Mm -hmm. So, I keep Twitter for news, like news news. Mm -hmm. And then I have Facebook for... Uh, like, social People news. who are all over the place and, mm -hmm. like, social news and memes. Mm -hmm. And then my Instagram is more about me mm, your fitness stuff and a lot of fitness <laughs> so i follow lots of people with fitness and then diet people on a specific what certain types of diets and Food whatever journeys right so i have noticed a different consciousness in terms of and it's probably you know like we're all in this microcosm mm -hmm. because we we'll filter out things we don't like and when we filter in things we do like mm -hmm. so obviously we're only getting to see what we want to see yeah it's the perfect news setup so <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say that it's happening everywhere i'll say it's happening within my feed let, let me put it that way yeah it's everybody's story <laughs> <laughs> so it's like oh everybody no not everybody mm. the people who i'm following in my feed so in my feeds i'm noticing a lot more uh people becoming a lot more conscientious in the same way those older people have become conscientious about systems and things. Mm -hmm. People just in general about engaging with other people have become more conscientious during this lockdown time. Whether it's because of race stuff or ethnicity stuff or how people speak and whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just interesting to see a, a different layer of conscientiousness in terms of how they post. And then even within the comments, people mm -hmm. are dealing with with stuff differently in the comments. I know you'd mentioned something about how people are being more direct about resolving stuff in the comments. Yeah. Whereas previously people were... I think that people are embracing awareness now. Um, it was for the, for, for, the, for the liberal before, but now it's, I think the general population is stopping and thinking about why... Um, why am I saying this? What's the well, framework behind my attitude toward this thing? Do you not think that they also realize that awareness 
is partially personal but also communal you can't be aware just for yourself and yes. be quiet yes because then you're not you're useless yes you're not you're not <laughs> you need sh- to contribute you need to be aware and then change and yeah then, yeah you know where you're shaping your environment yes, yeah your environment yeah so yeah so it was a positive week or two weeks overall yeah <laughs> but in in uh like i don't have not that i want to i don't have as much leisure lockdown time as some people may have and yeah. so for some people it's not leisure it's just that they've now fallen into the unemployed bracket which is very unfortunate yeah that's and cool. i hope that um we have enough creative space in the world's economies to allow people to run very small enterprises effectively yeah but then it's also up to us to support yeah, no. those people you know there's also something i never thought about on social media so when i was following all of these fitness people i forgot that south africa has fitness people yeah right <laughs> so i was following the fitness people in america uk and then what's nice is when people like in brazil or eastern europe um post um comments in their language when they type it out oh, to see translation you can see translation yeah, been the, doing that a lot the problem is the well, there's not a problem <laughs> obviously it's fine for the majority of their following which are local hmm. when they put up memes Oh yeah. I'm you, not you I can't highlight the meme and see what the meme means. Yeah. So it's like, oh okay. I'm sure it's funny. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. So now as I've been adding more and more South Africans, you don't realize how um it's excellent obviously follow whoever you want to follow. Mm-hmm. But when you think of this concept of supporting local in terms of awareness and growth and where advertising and everything will go. Mm. everybody follows the big global names mm-hmm. and when they don't follow local local yeah. suppliers and that don't see any need to support that industry because yeah. there aren't any popular yeah. people in that industry so they could make an effort but they won't use a local actor because they feel like it won't yes it won't crowd even though we know who that person is yes yeah what's a notoriety notoriety mm, no that you know who the person is what's it mm. No. <laughs> What's the word? What does notoriety mean? I am think I th- I'm pretty sure that means like famous for bad reason. Notorious? No, that's notorious. It's not. I think you mean noteworthy. No, not that. Okay. <laughs> okay, we'll find the word. But yeah. So that I've been thinking of the whole local thing and only now I've had the thought about what it means to support local. Mm-hmm. and if smaller um businesses and things come up yeah now during or during this whole thing how that how that can benefit them mm-hmm. and like if government put stuff in place so i feel that that's a positive possibility yeah but that aside <laughs> so we decided to set aside some time and get through some movies yes So we started with um Superman and Batman because we started in this DC universe and we started 
with um, Superman 1978 mm-hmm. going all the way to the 2013 Superman, mm-hmm. which is Man of Steel. So it's not technically Superman. So we're just going to have a, a gander down memory lane mm-hmm. <laughs> and just see how the feel of things changed over time and um, what we felt when we looked at it because we are not... Um, like movie critics? Yes. <laughs> we're not in the biz yeah. of critiquing. Yeah. We in we're the, in the audience. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We're in the business of enjoyment and... Uh, what's it about appreciating art? Uh, we're, a, we're patrons of the arts. Yeah. <laughs> So trying to appreciate it for what it is and understand what it is that that person's trying mm. to get across. So we're really good for the layman's perspective. Yeah. yeah. Well, we do have a little bit. We don't have exact comic book history, although we've watched a few documentaries on the comic book origins of everybody. Yeah, we, we have more, more than the average person. I, yeah. I'd say that, yeah. But we're not full on. Yeah. Have read the comics. We don't collect the comics. If we, if we see it, we might buy it, but... Yeah. Anyway. Comics expensive. Um, in, South Af- in South Africa. Um, so. We're going to give you our opinions. On all of these Superman movies that were released. So it's almost going to be like. Five minutes per movie. Kind of. Overall highlights. Thank you. Would you like to take over? No, no, no. You, you can ask the questions. <laughs> Stop. Now. Okay. So, we're going to do Superman 1 and 2 together. Mm-hmm. Because they were shot together. Yeah. It's pretty much a run-on movie. So, um, when you look at Superman 1 and 2, what do you think the message is that they were trying to get across? Or what was the story of it? I think it was a good introduction. But it's... Uh, no, don't critique it. Why? What's the story of it? Um, tell the whole story. No, <laughs> just briefly. What do you think was the message they were getting across? For Superman 1 and 2. That Superman was here. That he'd started his life as an adult. Um, he'd already gotten his, his uh, alter ego sorted out. Clark Kent. Mm-hmm. He had a job. He had a girlfriend. Kind of. No, no. Superman had the girlfriend. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, and, and obviously there's, there's, we, 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 <laughs> this is a very difficult thing to just spring on somebody. <laughs> no, that's the whole thing. <laughs> so for me, I think that they wanted to show that he was new to it, right? His father had some vision for him, mm-hmm. which they tell us. Mm-hmm. And... He was new to this whole being a superhero, being a person thing. Yeah. And it was about the struggle between being Clark Kent and being Superman. So it was at the beginning of his journey as Superman. And it was in the second one where he had, he had to find the balance between being Clark and, and Superman. Yes. The first one, he was quite confident. Yeah. Yeah. Incapable. So, for them bringing across the story of um, the conflict between Clark and Superman, mm-hmm. do you think that the flow of the movies in general, not specifically, 
and the actors that they used played well off each other to bring across that that idea. Yes, definitely. I think that Christopher Reeve was the ultimate uh, Superman for that era. And I think that he... I don't know. Like I feel like that's his personality normally. Like I just feel like he was playing... He amplified it, but he, he was so good at bringing across that that confidence of Superman, but also the... Okay, I know that the fumbling clock is an act, but it's also not, because he allows Clark to embody all his vulnerabilities uh, as as an alien, as a person who's just trying to make their way uh, in the world. But, yeah, I think that him and, and Margot Kidder had really good chemistry um, on camera as well. So, so did, it, was... did it sell the whole, this person is just starting, this is their life, these are all of the challenges they're experiencing? and Yeah, no, I think it took us, yeah it was believable yeah in that yeah within the context of the era yeah Yeah. do you think that um what what scenes do you think in the movie like hampered that message that they were trying to bring across Mm. i don't i don't i don't know what do you think I don't know. I think the one where, you know, when he gets his power back uh-huh. and he goes back to that bar and then he slides that man along the table uh-huh. and into the machine. Uh-huh. I feel like that was a bit more cocky than it needed to be. But that was when he was exposed to the other kryptonite. No. No. It's when he got his powers back. Like, he went specifically back to that place because he got beaten up when he gave his powers up. Oh, yes. And he went there with um, Lois. Mm-hmm. And then he was now normal. Oh, and it, got... oh, in the diner thing? Yes. Oh, yeah. So, that, like, took away from... Yeah. I know it was just a few minutes, so it was forgivable. Yeah. But it, like, it made him... Like, why would you come back stronger and use your power because that, to embarrass that person? That is the difference between Clark and Batman. Because this is this is the the crux of the of the conflict between them. It's that Superman has powers. So with those powers, he needs to be extra responsible. But yes. he's still a young man. No, that's and he still has and all that those was young the thing feelings. is that he went through this whole arc with Zod and everything yes. and learning self restraint and all of this, and then he goes back to like teach a human a lesson. Which was weird for his whole arc. I know it was funny and everything else. <laughs> but for his arc, I thought they could have yeah, left that out. That's, yeah, it, is, it does show that he's slightly immature. Yes. It, I think... It made... The, the, the two movies made him mature and that scene made him seem immature. I don't know if that makes sense. Yes, but the circumstances called for him to be responsible. And so we viewed his responsibility as maturity. But actually... He's still young and he's no, still no. a lot of room to go. But I just felt they could have done that earlier and then he could have gone back and apologized kind of thing because because he has so much power and yeah. he's grown over those two yeah. things. He knows better. Yeah, but I mean, in nowadays, that what he did wouldn't stand up. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But I just mean, even at that time, it just felt weird. Because that was kind of bullying. Yes, what he did. Yeah, because he was bullied. Has the power they don't. Do he it. was bullied, and then he went and reciprocated. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So that 
part doesn't stand up by today's standards. Even then, it was weird. No, but by then it was a strong. It was survival of the fittest. <laughs> I don't know. It was the eighties. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, that's the scene for me that like hampered it. Mm. So there were there were other weird things, but just in terms of the picture they're trying to paint, I felt that thing was a bit out of place. Mm, that's a good catch. Then. Anything else you can think of? I tried not to judge it too much because of the era that it was shot in. <laughs> no, um, no. <laughs> it's not about the era. No, but it's... There's still writing. Yes, but... And I mean, scenes. It's like, it's kind of campy and it's it's a little silly and it was just... Oh, okay. I looked at it like that was the interpretation of what comic brought to life would look like in that world. For so, those writers. For those writers, yes. Okay. So, I, yeah, I'm not going to pick that apart. So, what do you think of... Um, so, how do you think... Uh, what's it? Gene Hackman's mm-hmm. put, portrayal of Lex mm-hmm. with Lex and Otis mm-hmm. in that sphere... Mm-hmm. What do you think there? How is that? How does that come across? I d- I'll be honest with that one. I didn't like that legs wasn't the legs that that we that we've come to know as the the rich. Okay, so um, just as a precursor to this, had you watched these movies previously? I did, yes, but it, but obviously I was very young. <coughs> okay. And to me, it just seems very silly. That a guy, I can I can understand a rich guy being curious and needing to know and needing power because power people who crave power are often successful people. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have like a con artist who's not really, you know, neither here or there, mm-hmm. putting aside time that he really can't afford to put aside because you know he needs to earn a living um, to chase Superman. It's a bit silly to me. Like I, I don't know. I, I didn't understand. I liked his portrayal of the character. I thought he th- did a good job, um, in terms of his. Um, I don't know. Like like. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say about this without sounding mean. No, you must just say. Like I think that. I got the. The playful confidence... So, to me, it was a different take on playful confidence that the Lex-type character has. And this Lex has nothing but aspires to be more. Mm-hmm. And he's taking the route of hoodwinking people mm-hmm. and trying to use um, street smarts to get ahead. So, it's just a person that's trying to get ahead and then when he sees Superman mm-hmm. in this context of this thing, he's like, he, he's presented with it and he's like, oh, how can I take advantage of this? Because I need to get ahead. Yeah, but when, to me, like, when you can monetize something. When Zod and them come around, he's like, okay, how do I play this to my advantage? So it was just all about survival and playing to his advantage because he's like, oh, I can to assist. Me, it's, just, it's a much easier way to survive but, doing something else. Just think about it. I'm only thinking about it now. 
the modern day version of that in the Marvel universe is what Loki did. And Loki played exactly the same character that he did. Loki was a god. Doesn't matter. He had a whole other kingdom to get back to. But Loki wanted power and he craved power and he was manipulative. and Exactly, but he was already successful. No, he wasn't. He was a king for Thanos, a while. Thanos reminded him, <laughs> do you call failure experience? And he's like, I call experience experience. And he's like, I agree mm. with him. Right. But that's the same as the Gene Ackman character. Mm. He kept... He aspired to a better place. And when he saw people with power who had more power than him, he was like, I can assist you. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I, I saw that playfulness in the thing. Mm-hmm. And I felt like he was less of a villain. Mm, that's the problem though. You, he wasn't like the primary threat. He was an issue that kept popping up. I don't know. I just feel like, like Lex should be Superman's Joker. So to have a person that's, that's a weak villain... So just now You said that you were happy With that era and whatever whatever. What if there's a version of the comics Where Lex is the silly thing And that was the era in which And that was the material they had Where they took it from And now you're saying your preference for Lex Yeah I know I know. If there was <laughs> one person that Then they did a great job <laughs> Okay Yeah. Let's leave that aside I much prefer the Lexus of latter year. Okay. Mm. When that was released in close to the 80s, what age group do you think they were targeting in terms of what was in there? Was it Early like a 20s. PG-13? Yeah, no, but yeah. Because there wasn't any cursing in there. No, really. it was family friendly. Um, there, was, there was very... Like the violence wasn't... Yeah, it was campy. It was like cartoony violence. Mm. It wasn't blood and dents and no, everything. No, no. Did you? Okay, yeah. So yeah, that's my. Um, are there any other things you think of Superman one and two? Any standout things? I know the one that everybody loves, so what? I'll say it later. But um, <laughs> is there anything else? Um. I think that in Superman 1, is that the one where you turn the world back? That's why I'm putting one and two together because they blur. So he he basically, he got a snapshot of what his life could look like and he rewound it. Okay. Is that right? In the first one. I can't really remember now. Just speak about one and two together. It's easier. And then... No, I know, but I'm saying in that first one, if that's what happened, you're not confirming or denying it, but <laughs> if that's what happened, then he showed that he wasn't ready to embrace his role fully. He really wanted it, to have his cake and to eat it too. He thought he could be Superman and have his, his Lois and save the world and always be everything to everyone. And then I think in the second one, it really was a run-on movie because he got to a breaking point and then he had to dial it back, right back again. And he had to choose whether he wants to be a savior or he wants to be a person because he couldn't be both. Why did you use the word savior? 
Because that's what a person who's saved is. <laughs> you can't take modern day what you got from Man of Steel and impose the terminology onto that era's thing. Okay, whether he wants to be a sky policeman rescuing <laughs> cats out of... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think it was a good... It was a good evolution of his character in that short amount of time. It, okay. was, it was intense for him. Because he, he went... He went through a lot <laughs> in a short span of time. I think the benefit of that movie, yes, it was in the era of campiness and whatever, maybe to make things more PG-13, family-friendly. That was their version of keeping it light. Mm. And this is the start, and obviously there's going to be many more takes on the character. Uh, but to take, it's difficult to bring across what's basically the oldest comic book hero and translate it to screen. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult to bring it to screen and also tick all the boxes, like make it as unbelievable as the comics, but make it as grounded in reality as possible. But then you don't want it to be too real because you don't want people to have nightmares that Superman's going to come for them or... Lex, I think it's Lex, the bad guys you have to worry about. Lex, Lex is outside the window kind of a thing. So I think in that movie, Chris, Christopher Reeve sent a standard for making a character believable. Yeah. Like actually believing that mm. that's who this character is and mm. not like he was just putting on a show. Mm. You felt that he was... Yeah. fully embracing yeah. this thing which made it seem like oh this is real yeah like um so the thing that everybody talks about or all the geeks mention is the scene with clock and lois at the niagara falls thing mm-hmm. where he is in the room with her mm-hmm. and he's hunched over as clock and then he takes his glasses off and then he straightens his body up mm. And turns into Superman. Yeah. And they're like, ah, see that? That's commitment. Look at this. Like, he, he showed his transition. Yeah, he did seem like a different person when he was playing both characters. Yeah. And that's very difficult to pull off. And he did it very well. It's a little frightening, though, to think that somebody could have two characters. Yeah. So I'll, and play them so with such commitment. So I'll give uh, credit where credit is due that he took whatever they had on the pages and he infused it with this extra thing. So to me, that makes it enjoyable to watch. Um, So to start our movie analysis series, I've come up with a a palatability rating system. We don't need to explain what palatable is, do we? <laughs> We're not going to eat the movie, but it's it's the very at work is how good it was to consume. There we <laughs> go. All right. So I have four levels for palatability. Mm-hmm. Let's Z- get in. Zero is not palatable. Won't watch again. Okay. Uh, one is low palatability. There has to be absolutely nothing else to watch for me to watch it again. And I would have to be with someone else. And even then, I'd probably have it on his background noise till something else pops up to watch. Wow, that's rough. 
right? Mm-hmm. Level two, average palatability. If there's nothing else to watch, I'd watch it on my own as background noise. Okay. Three, medium palatability. Could rewatch a few times, like over course of years. You wouldn't rewatch it in the same year. Okay. Uh, you'd keep it in circulation, but it won't be your go-to movie okay. like to pull out and rewatch. Then four, obviously highly palatable, goes into your collection and you'd rewatch, rewatch with enthusiasm, and it's like like a go-to movie for you. Sure. So, Superman one and two. Where would you put it? Mm, I would give it a palatability rating of. Three. Medium palatability. Yeah. Watch it a few times in yeah. two years. I would do the same. Hmm. Yeah. It's watchable, rewatchable in like you can sit in. But I love that through. about DC movies because when you watch them, every time you watch them, there's something new that you pick up or something that you interpret differently. And I think that yeah, it's it's more like. A mirror to society, the way comics bring across mm-hmm. concepts. Well, that was Superman one and two. Superman three. What story were they trying to bring across there? You'll have to tell me because I cannot remember. <laughs> Superman three is the one with Richard Pryor. Ah, uh, okay, the one with the with the machine. Um, this was my least favorite. Um, of the three. Yeah. We left out a uh, thing for peace because that is yeah that's that's uh, an, that's its own movie. It's the afterthought Superman movie. Um, Quest for peace, sorry, Superman I, Four. I don't know. This movie was. I feel like they. I feel like, okay, Reeves gave it his all. Kiddo was great. Um, I think that they would. They. I really enjoy this iteration of Lois. I I've said this to you many times. I really feel that. She She is believable as the comic book character. Okay. She's curious but also ballsy anyway. So um, I think that those two characters, the uh, the the portrayals of their characters were excellent. I don't really like the st- the storyline was okay. Um you giving our entire critique you're not saying what story they were trying to bring across. What were they trying to tell? Oh, you want me to say the story? What what story were they trying to tell? I don't know how you put me on the spot like this. <laughs> <laughs> the critique part is easy, but yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did no, they meet the well, message? So what message were they trying to? I give? think you know better than me because. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. Well, I think that this is a more established Superman who's been working around the world. See, you had your answer. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> and so, um, they wanted to now have his next conflict kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so, this is his next conflict thing that is more established, is more experienced because mm-hmm. he can use his powers more effectively now. Mm-hmm. And so, when he. Um, so they wanted to show that. Then the other part they wanted to show was they had a bit of diversity in characters. Having this uh, popular comedian at the time, Richard Pryor, in mm-hmm. there, portraying somebody. And that's my problem with it. And then um, we're not there yet, but 
Um, then they wanted to bring in this whole idea of computers being the future and like the dangers of it and the benefits of it and that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then because they didn't have a, a Lex baddie mm-hmm. or a Zod baddie there to introduce a new bad guy. Mm-hmm. And this bad guy, unlike that Lex who was aspiring for wealth, this was an established guy who was a capitalist. Mm-hmm. There was sort of a modern day, what we understand to be a Lex character. But he was now that, that personality. So Superman was going up against technology and this greedy capitalist. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I think they were trying to bring across. So this was Superman's next challenge. Yes, there was a detour with something else that happened to him. They introduced a different type of uh, kryptonite. But that was the struggle. So they had a little bit of an internal struggle again. Because I'm sure that's going to be an ongoing thing for Superman and Clock. That wasn't a little bit. He had to fully split his person. (laughs) And so um, that, I think, was the story for that. So do you think that overall Mm -hmm. they did well in bringing across... The story that they were attempting to tell? Or do you feel like they were challenged in some way? I think they took on too many concepts in that movie. I was a bit distracted. Um, How so? It's difficult to... But I suppose it is a good reflection of life. Because Superman's job in that situation would have been to to neutralize the threat but he was distracted by trying to neutralize himself um so oh there was also the thing of uh, the other port they wanted to bring in was his connection to his hometown oh yeah no yeah that part i liked i liked that they brought in the small thing and they explored that a little bit um i also i also liked how it gave the viewer an opportunity to see how Clark had almost fractured his his home, like growing up Clark persona mm-hmm. from his Clark persona that he puts on at work to his Superman character. So he was he and and of course his bad Superman character. So in effect, he was playing like four roles in that movie. Um, it was interesting. I, I think that part was interesting. So, okay. But the, the whole baddies thing with the computer okay. and all the bad so, guys. And... What do you think was... Um, what, what, I won't say what helped. Mm-hmm. What harmed them telling this internal struggle, this external threat and home versus um, small town versus city thing? What harmed telling that story? I'm not sure if anything harmed it that I can pick up. Hampered? Because you said this whole thing with the I technology think, was yeah, confusing. I think that the the bad guy storyline, they tried to bring in a lot of comedy into it. I don't know whether at the time they were told that it wasn't funny enough and wasn't going to draw audiences, but I feel like they went a bit overboard with the with the jokes and at times it just it just lost like 
I, I was distracted by it. I was irritated. What do you mean comedy? I don't know. The whole thing with the computers and it's just the campy uh, falling over. The It's the slapstick. I don't like slapstick. And it was in that movie a lot. Okay, but do yeah. you think, going that way, do you think, like, again, it was in the 80s? Yeah. I know it was a thing. I mean, they were trying to compete with movies like no, that's what Police I'm saying. Academy. So In its time, yeah. for that time and space, for what they've written, did anything harm bringing across the message that they were trying to bring across with that movie? In its setting? In its setting, no. Oh, okay. Hmm. My thing is that I liked the dialogue with Richard Pryor and that other guy in See No Evil, Yeah No Evil. Mm-hmm. But I felt that because of the upright um, school prefect Superman that we got in Superman 3, mm-hmm. um, Richard Pryor character was good but it actually had no character to play off yeah that's what i'm saying it was like an isolation whereas when he was with encino evil yano evil they played they played with each other yeah so he had no one to play off yeah and so he did his part well and i'm sure he followed all his instructions and he he did a good job Mm. but there was no body to reciprocate it with him Mm. so it almost yeah if i had to bring it into present day it's like, I don't know what's going to be in Zack Snyder's Justice League, but it's almost like the Ezra Miller Flash character who's just on it all the time. All these lines are one-liners. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to be, you have to be, to be funny, you need people around you to respond. Or for them to be blank and non-responsive in and a then, way that fits in. And then you in. can respond, but... But they are almost playing yeah. like that. They're playing the so, third wall. So I think that his comedic timing didn't play well with their big bad mm. for the movie. Yeah. And it didn't also play well when he was in scenes with Superman. Yeah. So that's my only thing that I felt was distracting. Outside of that, I think that they did okay mm. with their story. Um, what did you think of the introduction of Bad Superman? I think he played Bad Superman well. He was a very creepy character, especially that part when he was in Lana's uh, living room and he and he started turning. And I was, we didn't know it started turning yet, and we were like, "What are you saying to this lady? That is not appropriate." And then obviously we were very um, relieved to find out that it was the effect of being near this rock. So, yeah, I know he played that well. Okay. Gave me the creeps. <laughs> All right. So, um, overall, palatability. Yeah. Uh, I would give it a two. I would watch it again, but if there's nothing else to watch, but yeah. it'll be background noise. Yeah. My thing with Superman three is that I don't. I think that at the time. So I'm going to cross between then and now. Mm. At the time, technology was the thing and the big bad. Yeah. Like you could do anything with technology. And between then and now, we haven't actually made 
the computer like they'll have in um they had this scene in iron man where in civil war where he said to friday or whoever mm-hmm. um analyze his fighting pattern and mm-hmm. then like develop a strategy mm-hmm. to fight back mm-hmm. so that's what this machine was meant to do the one that richard Pryor designed mm-hmm. that they used against superman mm-hmm. and I know what a stretch it is. <laughs> so, at the time, I would have believed it. Because we didn't and I know did. anything about computers. Yes, and so as a child, it, that scene was very scary when, like, all I could remember was green ooze and wires. Mm. And I was, like, I was, like, in it. And I be- it was, like, believable that this machine was going to beat Superman. Mm. And this lady, could, like, she got sucked into that goo and everything. Mm-hmm. And then she came out mm. with all the wires on her. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, not the goo, with the wires and she was this weird robot thing. Yeah. And then she was attacking him. That was scary. So I remember that as a child. Like, yeah. of the, with, the, with the whole movie, that scene stood out for me. Like, that was like highly visual. It was like, oh, this is amazing. Like, oh, oh, he's beating Superman. So I had that, that awe for it then. Mm-hmm. But when I watch it now. That's silly. <laughs> yeah, I have a different perspective on it. But even then, the technology fighting Superman I found confusing. Mm-hmm. Because at the time, because of my um, exposure, I actually didn't know that computers had already existed in another part of the world. Oh. Like my father didn't have a computer at work. Yeah. They were still on paper-based stuff and whatever but at in the late 80s. When was that? We didn't have computers here then. Yes. So for me, that was a disconnect. Like I saw these things, but I had no real context for it. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh yeah, I know what an ATM is. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I get the ATM. Yeah. But everything else I had no context for. Because I hadn't been anywhere or seen anything. I'd only ever seen it on TV. Well, I hadn't even seen it on TV before. So for me, I was just lost with that part. So that's why that lady... Why wrapped up in the wires looked like a robot, and I was like, "Ah, oh, robot!" That that clicked for me. <laughs> Robocop. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I'd give it a one mm-hmm. for palatability. So that's low palatability. So I'd watch it with someone else, and I'd get more enjoyment from it if I was like explaining things or whatever to someone else. Oh, everybody loves that laugh while you're watching a movie. <laughs> but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to watch it on my own. Yeah. Okay. So that brings us to 2000 and something where Brandon Ruth reprises Ruth Roth reprises the role as Superman. No, reprises means you're doing it again. Yep. Assumes. Yeah, he takes on the mantle. Mm -hmm. What did you think of what story were they trying to bring across with Superman Returns? Uh, he'd been gone. They discovered his home planet, remnants of it, and he'd been gone for about five years, returning to Earth. And I suppose he didn't realize that the world would move on without him. And for oh, how much? Yeah. Uh, so he has to deal with that when he comes back. That things that he that he was still in the same place on Earth, mentally, um, but everybody else had moved on. And his girl was gone. And his mother thought she'd never see him again. 
and I guess there weren't any catastrophic things that had happened in the past five years. Mm. So maybe we have to question whether he brings, he brings the rain. I'm not sure. But yeah, that's what happened. And the, oh yes, and of, of course, the drama that ensues thereafter. As I say, what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. So, turns out that I'm I'm, I'm fully hoping that everybody who listens to this podcast has watched these movies and that we're not spoiling them. No, you don't have to spoil it exactly. Okay. So, there's a secret. <laughs> right, so, well, this is how I'd phrase it. I'd say that in Superman 1 to 4, he'd been on a journey. Yeah. He had his whole quest for peace and denuclearizing the, the planet in Superman 4. But he's been on this journey of self-discovery. And obviously Metropolis got used to him and whatever. And then he decided, still with the inner, inner conflict that he has, when he heard that there was this remnants of the planet, he decided to go see if he could find it. Because he still had this pull. He still has an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. So after all this time, he still has the identity crisis. Mm-hmm. While that's happening, the person that he put away in prison or helped to get imprisoned in Superman 2 mm-hmm. gets let out of prison mm-hmm. in Superman Returns. Mm-hmm. Obviously played by resources. a different yeah. character. Also a broke version of Lex. But not anymore. Now he has resources. He, he came out of prison. He was broke. Yeah. <laughs> right? So we have this whole thing that Lex reemerges. Mm-hmm. Um, Lois has moved on and Lois is dating, but Lois has a child. Yeah. And at some stage, Superman faces his mortality mm-hmm. because to some extent he dies, right? Or goes into a deep sleep or a coma. Mm-hmm. So he gets to experience that for the first time because he was being invincible all of this time. Mm-hmm. And now this thing happens to him. And through the story, he's also got to deal with the fact of what happens if there's a next generation of a Superman. Mm-hmm. That's how I phrase it. Okay. Good job. <laughs> so, do you think that they managed to bring across their story well that they were trying to tell? Yeah. I think it was a good direction. I think it was... They used those hours effectively and they reawakened a world that had been dead for, for over... Like 10 years. Okay. In terms of helpful or harmful, do you think that it was too big a gamble in terms of time, Mm -hmm. time frame, to try to get somebody who looked like Christopher Reeve to continue a story arc? Yes and no. I think yes, because they were hoping that that would be a carrot for the older generation who were supporting them financially by watching those movies Mm -hmm. and the nostalgia that that might create uh, and the curiosity. Even if you're just going to the movies to see whether this boy just messes up this other guy's legacy, um, you'll go and you'll still, you know, pay for a ticket. And... No, because I think that enough time had passed for people to for for younger people to 
want to see an incarnation of Superman that was their own. And I think that Smallville had been running for quite a while and people had been um people had been wanting Tom Wheeling to play the movie version because mm-hmm. that's what they were comfortable with. So I think that it was good that they didn't go with him. Um Okay. Because it's it would have been I don't know, it would have been kind of confusing. <laughs> How did Smallville get into the discussion? Because that that was the only thing Superman related. Oh, okay. Playing just before that movie was released. But before Smallville, there was Lois and Clark. Yeah, but that was a long time ago. That was like in the... Even Dean Kane appeared in Smallville. Yes, I know. As an immortal. It's good that they, that they have that network <laughs> thing, that nostalgic network. It's very nice. We All, all the fans get very excited when they see well, old faces. My thinking is that... I think they wanted a nostalgia factor. Yeah. And at a glance, yes, he did look like him. I do think that it harmed the actor because um, Christopher Reeve did an excellent job of bringing across Superman for the 80s. Yeah. And in the 2000s, to have a Christopher Reeve approach to Superman seems very wooden yeah and so i think that they harmed but they harmed the actor by using that as the marker for him and then you had to like modernize it a little bit yeah i think that to some extent either way because people have had the pull for superman movie it would have been nice if they allowed him a bit more leeway to develop the character right his way they would do more a better introduction mm. like you're saying people had watched Smallville mm-hmm. and these people were trying to go on the premise that people already knew Superman mm-hmm. but I think it would have softened it if they did which we'll get to with the next movie where they showed more flashbacks a little bit of an origins thing that um, like molded his personality yeah so that when he acted in such a way you could see oh he's a different Superman yeah to Christopher Reeve. I think that's where the confusion came in because there was such a long gap between the movies that they were trying to link it to. If it was a standalone movie, it would have been received differently. differently. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's my only critique of it. I I I feel like modernizing the Gene Hackman character. Mm-hmm. At the time was a bit weird. Mm-hmm. It made it feel very... Um, not theatrical as in movie, but like watching actors on a stage in the theater. Mm. And the best scene, the two best scenes for me of how um, Lex Luthor was portrayed was when... Uh, Lois came onto the boat mm-hmm. and she saw all the wigs oh, with the, with the, and he was brushing his, his teeth, teeth yeah. and you were like yeah that was my one scene that I enjoyed the yeah. way he acted that thing out yeah because it had nothing to do with Lex yeah it was just good acting and I enjoyed I didn't get that character all the way through mm-hmm. I just got him in that scene mm-hmm. and then I got him again 
when he said, um, come on, let me hear you say it. No, not that, not that, not that. <laughs> say the other thing. <laughs> Superman, wrong! Yeah. <laughs> but I, those are the only two scenes that I really enjoyed him as playing the person. The other scenes, I was actually distracted mm-hmm. by seeing parallels or similarities with the Gene Ackman version. But that's who he was supposed to be playing. Yes, but for me, I found it distracting. I think it was a difficult task to yes. give somebody, uh, a pers- just have somebody pick up, like relay the mantle. But then I think that he, and as much as, you know, I'm not going to say the actor's name, but anyway. That's why I'm not saying that. What, whatever, <laughs> whatever he's, yeah. But I think that he did have a little bit more darkness in him playing Lex than, than the Gene Hackman character. So that's what I'm saying. So I think he was. It was. It was very convincing. I th- I think that they did well with attempting to call back to another version and continue yeah, a story. Yeah. But I think it. I don't know what the box office numbers are, so I'm not going to be the person that said, "See, they made so little or so much because of whatever reason." Mm. Just for me, when I watched it, I just felt like. I enjoyed those movies in their time. Because whenever you're watching a movie for the first time, you're watching it for the first time. Yeah. So I watched the other movie for the first time in the 80s. Those. Yeah. And so I appreciated it in the 80s at the age I was then. Mm-hmm. Now I'm watching a movie in the 2000s and I've grown. Mm-hmm. I don't want a call back to the 80s. Yeah. I want it for the stage I'm at now and all the exposure I've had over time. Yeah. So... That was a bit of a thing for me. So for me, I felt it was a bit... Didn't hit the mark. Yeah. Okay. So, taking all of that into account, I will give Superman Returns average palatability a number two. Yeah, me too. Two. Solid two. (laughs) Right. Our final Superman, and then we can jump all over the place, Smallville, wherever. Uh Man of Steel 2013. Hands down favorite. No. <laughs> What's the story? What's okay. the message are they trying to bring across? So this one is a standalone, like a, like a start-up... Origin. Origins story. It's, um, so we, we, we introduced to Superman as a young man who hasn't yet taken... To Clark, actually. Who hasn't yet become Superman. Hasn't yet discovered... Um, the fullness of his origins mm-hmm. is aware that he's an alien, but mm-hmm. doesn't have any uh, additional information. Still searching, feels that he needs to use his powers to assist. But help in the shadows. But yes, but still holding that that heaviness of his father sacrificing himself to keep his secret. So continuously having to balance this need to help with need to. To honor his father's wishes, and yeah, so it's it's a heavy uh, clock that we are that we're introduced to, um, and then I like the flash. There's a lot of flashbacks uh, that show you um, his childhood mm-hmm. and his relationship with his parents and the relationships with the people in Smallville, and then his journey. Um, as he becomes the clock that we know in the comics who works at the Daily Planet and then his introduction to Lois who chases him 
to find the story because he is the story and then then when Kryptonians come to Earth mm-hmm. so this yeah so we could say this is a retelling of Superman 1 and 2 in one movie yes yes okay so but, that, with the, but with the new age polish yes this is a f- that would be a fair comparison mm-hmm. is looking at Superman 1 and 2 and then looking at yeah um, there's, there's no silliness there's no comedy it is it is a cinematic masterpiece <laughs> <laughs> the cinematography is beautiful yeah except for that jumpiness in that scene where he's talking to me on the back oh, yeah, of the bucket yeah, no. That one makes I don't me, know what that means. What makes me what's that mean for? But um, yeah. Maybe it's our version that has it on it. No, it's I don't not. know if other people have it. I watched it also on the TV version. But also, when when he is uh, able to access people from his own planet, that whole thing of I really wanna, I found people like me. I yeah. want to be with you. I want to learn from you. And then, oops, you're the bad guy. I have to choose. Okay. Constant choosing. So, because we have, um, you're probably going to hear some dogs barking in the background. It's yeah. just, it's just that time of the day. Yeah, neighborhood news. Yeah, where they talk to each other. So, because we have, we've had these other journeys of the characters during these different times. Um, Timeline. So in the eighties, we had the the start. In the early two thousands or mid two thousands, we had the reset. With um, was it late two thousands? Um, with the Brandon Ruth one. We now have. Yes, you may have seen him in the Tudors and one of the Wrath of the Titans or something movies. The the mortals. Yeah, one of those types of things. But um, there's, he's a relatively unknown character in terms of well, he was Hollywood big things. Not now, but he was at the time. Yeah, no, we're yeah. speaking in 2013. We, we're currently sitting in 2013. I see. And talking about <laughs> the movie. Um, I think that the story, for me... Also, it's it's difficult to crit the 80s movie because you can't remember all of the pieces, but you remember watching it and you remember the feeling you had, but you don't necessarily remember all the detail. Mm-hmm. Whereas these, you yeah. remember everything yeah. a lot better. So, I like the... I liked that, you know, I liked that we got to see a version of what Krypton was. Yeah. That we actually saw what this advanced civilization was. Yeah. And, well, different aspects of it that, and you got little pieces, snippets of it, mm-hmm. even though they didn't like go in depth with it. Mm-hmm. Even when he did the retelling to him when he came on the show. I liked that part of it. I like the I like the aspect of his mother, but it was slightly like it was partially confusing. What do you mean? Like 
this is a dumb thing. Every time I watch it, I appreciate her saying, um, you know, the moment where she acts out the thing and she says, give me, let me just look at him. You know, like, I just want to hold him one more time and let me just look at him. Mm-hmm. When she acts that particular scene, mm-hmm. to me, it's like, her acting in that moment, I don't know if it was like a retake or whatever. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem to flow with the rest of the acting mm-hmm. that she does. So it always stands out for me every time I watch it and she does that scene. Like it seems out of character for the person who's playing it. I know this is horribly nitpicky. But every time I watch it, that just that little thing, the way she does it. Because I understand the thing, obviously. You want to hold on mm-hmm. and you know this other thing needs to happen mm-hmm. but i just in that moment just feels weird and i don't know why it is i don't i don't get that at all yeah so um so that's the only thing for me there in that whole krypton saga mm-hmm. everything else i understood um and came across mm-hmm. then um when we come into his origins and him trying to help people mm-hmm. i sort of like what what was going on there and i found i found it interesting like it's nice when you do a, a far removed world but like for years they used to always complain that and that's where Marvel picked up some steam apparently in their comic book stuff was stan lee's outlook was the character should be set in New York mm-hmm. or in actual places. Somewhere that's not, relatable. Not like in DC where it's yeah, fictional a fictional city, city star city and whatever. Yeah, but I don't agree with that. Right. I, yeah. So what I like about the the style and the method that they approached with Man of Steel mm-hmm. was it's okay to still have the fictional city, mm-hmm. but it was set in present day. Their world building was very relatable. Yeah. So... Today, if somebody leaked something on the internet, mm-hmm. how quickly would it spread? Yeah. Straight after someone leaked something on the internet, if somebody came from another planet, mm-hmm. how quickly would people know that there's a weird thing in the sky close to the moon? Yeah. Very quickly. Yeah. Because the number of devices and everything yeah. that are available. So they, I mean, they didn't try to use future technology. They used what was here. Right. Yeah. No, but I mean, not. No, 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 I don't mean the the alien part. I mean in the present world. No, that's what I mean. Everybody I mean, was... The RSS feed and things coming on the TV and they're jacking the, the signal. Right. Yeah. So that made it seem very relatable. And yeah. I know that they couldn't do that years before because Nokia wasn't going to sign a deal when there wasn't even a Nokia phone yet. Yeah, they could do... <laughs> they could feed. do different things yeah. for the movie. So I enjoyed that part because, so I have this thing and it's not, and it's not a judgment. When you watch a period piece, you need to take some time to contextualize what period they're setting it in. Mm. Because you have to look at the, the ornaments, the clothing, Mm -hmm. the vehicles or the mode of transport, the language, um, the medium of communication. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, this is the world that I'm in. And then you can watch the movie in context. Yeah, so orientate yourself. 
So I didn't need to orientate myself when I watched Man of Steel. Yeah. I just could watch Man of Steel. So it wasn't a distraction. Right. Mm-hmm. I could focus on the story. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another thing that I didn't mention. I was a little curious as to what time period they were trying to set um, Superman Returns in mm-hmm. because some of the color schemes that they used or the use that they used in certain footage that was meant to be present there at the time. Mm-hmm. I couldn't figure out were they trying to say like this was the late 90s mm-hmm. to like continue from the 80s. Like certain patches in that movie, I didn't know what they were trying to do mm-hmm. with the feel of it. Yeah, that was a weird thing that they did. I don't think... I think the story continued, but they didn't take into account the, the years. Yes. So it's, that was a bit off. It was supposed to have been gone for five years, but it was like more like 15 or 20. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, for, so I enjoyed all that man's deal. Are there some negatives? Yes. Before you start with your negatives, can I just say that I really enjoyed this iteration of Kalal's parents? Because... In every other iteration, there have been these academic, far-removed, uh, very... High- well, think about yeah. that they've all been the same person. Well, yes, Marlon Brando. Marlon yeah. Brando's been the yes. one for like five Superman movies. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's fine, <laughs> but I'm saying I enjoyed this iteration because to me, it, it gives a better understanding of, of the fighting spirit that we're expecting Superman to embody. Mm-hmm. Because where does it come from? He's, he grew up on a farm. There's no fighting on the farm, as far as I know. It's a very peaceful existence. It's pastoral. Yeah. And if there's injustice, there's got to be something in you that says, I don't want this injustice. I need to fight against this injustice. So this is what they sent him to the world to be. To go there and to become a god. To, to, I don't know what... what are those <laughs> but... <laughs> But go yeah. there and do what use your superior strength and physical attributes to make a difference. So his father in this one was basically Superman Batman and <laughs> I very much enjoyed seeing Krypton and seeing uh, his parents and how, how much they were willing to physically sacrifice and fight before just to send him to Earth. Continue with the negatives. <laughs> um there's a lot of so, I'm no. It's not about negatives. It's like um, as you age, I know the challenge of um, marketing and trying to appeal to whatever the demographic is you're trying to dem- uh, appeal to. And I do get that you need some kind of introductory um, fuzzy story to make people happy or believe that something is lovable or whatever right but as I age mm-hmm. right like they want a movie that they can take children to mm-hmm. and I don't know if you are under 10 years old mm-hmm. if the Zack Snyder version of DC mm-hmm. or even the Christopher Nolan version of DC mm-hmm. is for you I don't think that everything needs to be made for kids no, no I'm just saying if I had to look at the age group that is meant for mm-hmm. so because of that I think that 
um, if you're going to appreciate it as a teenager mm-hmm. onwards, yeah, it's a very But I don't know how to say this word because I don't know if there can be different connotations. Evocative movie because it tackles all of your senses. Okay, yeah. So you have the emotional aspect of this person trying to stay in hiding and being forced out of hiding. Mm-hmm. And the reason for being forced out of hiding is everyone could die. Yeah. So either hide or everyone's going to die. Yeah. Make a choice. Mm. But you still don't know who you are. Yeah. But that's the option you've been given. Mm-hmm. So that was the one part I enjoyed. The other aspect I enjoyed was his mother. Mm-hmm. Because as much as she was hurt by the passing of her husband, she stuck fast to whatever they jointly believed they wanted the part for their family to be. Mm-hmm. And their possibility of their path for him to be yeah uh, but i think that when you raise an alien you pretty much have a plan in the back (laughs) no but (laughs) i mean they were very resolute they didn't they because they were so resolute Mm -hmm. so because martha and jonathan were so resolute martha and um zorel Mm -hmm. and what l is the mother who? Clark's mother. Oh, uh, you mean Jorel? Kalel's mother. Yeah, Jorel. Zorel is his evil uncle. Um, <laughs> no, what's the mother's name? Uh, right. Wow, yeah. what's something with the L? Yeah, woman power, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, so. <laughs> Lara. So. They also showed them to be very strong and resolute characters. Mm hmm. Perry White is a strong and resolute character. Mm-hmm. And as much as Lois is young, and she may not be the version of Lois that there was previously, mm-hmm. to a large extent she's resolute. She wants to do the right thing, mm-hmm. and she wants the right thing to be exposed. Mm-hmm. When she's confronted with this guy saying, do you think it's right for me to come out mm-hmm. when, my, when my father died trying to keep my secret? Mm-hmm. She believes the right thing is to retract her story okay. and not pursue it. Yeah. So she knows uh, she's embedded with us right and wrong. Yeah. Clock is confused. That's true. <laughs> so it's nice that they have all of these pillars yeah. that are sure about what they're doing. These soft, vulnerable humans who are very sure versus this indestructible person who's was, flipping flopping. Yes. Uh-huh. And he's trying to figure out what's going on. So I liked that gallery that they'd set up mm-hmm. so when he goes to work he's tackling someone who's very sure of themselves mm-hmm. in Perry and he knows this is a live wire Lois that's going to go wherever she's going to go mm-hmm. but he is like but what is right but shouldn't you and what do you stand for and he's being to some extent naive mm-hmm. which Perry's going to call him out for later but he is now tackling this it's nice to see that battle. They didn't need mm. to split him into two people. Mm. You can see the battle brewing. No, we're, we're allowed to be complex in this, in yes. this century. <laughs> and so he can't... Um, even by the end of the movie, he's made a choice that mm. seems heavy. Yeah. 
but and you always starting, feel like you've worked through it with him. Yes, and yeah. he, and he's starting on a path, but he's still not sure yeah. where he's going. But I mean, isn't that, go- isn't that more human? Yeah, and he's decided that okay, I've reached this point. I've taken a decision, so these are the tools I'm going to work with mm-hmm. going to the next stage. Mm-hmm. So that I enjoyed about the whole story. Mm, that I. There's obviously timing and edit issues that, but you can't make a perfect movie, and even if it was perfect, then it wouldn't be art. Mm-hmm. But it, because if you make a scene too long or too short, yeah, it changes how you feel about the scene. Yeah, sometimes less is more. Like yeah, you, it leaves more room for. But sometimes leaving in the more raises more questions for the person who's watching, which then makes the movie more memorable. Yes. Kind that's, of thing. That's what I mean. It's like it stimulates a conversation in your mind. But you said sometimes less is more. But I'm saying sometimes if you go longer. So. I think I think some things need more time, <laughs> and I think I think that that not everything needs to be fully explored yes. and and put to bed in a scene. So, for me, I would give Man of Steel. Right. I would give Man of Steel a 3. Right? Oh, really? Now, I'm going to remember that medium palatability quiz could rewatch a few times over a number of years and keep in circulation, but not my go-to. It right? is your go-to. It's not. It, oh, it's Batman vs. Superman. It's my go-to. Thank okay, you. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I walk into a room and it's been quiet for a while, I'll walk in and I'll see Batman <laughs> on the screen because that's class go-to. Right. So... Okay, so that's that's that part. Uh-huh. I would give it a four. You'd give it a four. Yeah, I enjoyed that movie. So it would be in circulation and you'd rewatch it. I do. And you wouldn't rewatch it. I know every line. You wouldn't rewatch it using it as background noise and playing on your phone and everything. I would start off that way, but <laughs> then I would put my phone down. <laughs> okay. That's all. That's why I put those types of writing ah, things in there. Thank you. Very relatable writing writing scale. Exactly. Mm. That's why. I, <laughs> lots of people. It's very think, practical. Lots of people. So I think that something increases in palatability past level two uh-huh. when you put your phone down. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and if your if your phone's in your hand, you in the. You in the ones and twos. You in the ones and twos. Zero ones and, and twos. Yeah. yeah. There are some movies that I have not watched. I was there, <laughs> but I have not watched them. So, yeah. So, that's my thing for that. Um, overall, uh, seeing as we've come to the end of this um, stage of Superman in the animated series, the way it is, mm-hmm. because the next Superman movie, I think it's Man of Tomorrow or something, the animated they're releasing, mm-hmm. Is part of a different, a new take. I think they're recasting voice actors and that. So DC Animation is doing so a reset. new iteration of Superman, new yeah. conceptual. So it makes it worth doing a little thing on that. Mm-hmm. Seeing as we've watched every one of yeah. the animated movies since 19... Wait. Was it early 2000? <laughs> it's been 10 years of animation, isn't it? Or More. Al- yeah. yeah. So let's... Let's do um, TV series. Okay. How was um, Lois and Clock? Did I you watch it? I didn't watch the whole thing. I, I watched it in pieces, but uh, 
if it was on, I was watching it. And if, if it, yeah, I... What did you think of Terry Hatcher's version of Lois? <sighs> was she closer to that lady or closer to Amy Adams or completely different? I think she was completely different. I think that Lois and Clark focus more on their relationship than on actual Superman, um, you know, antics and stuff. Superman was kind of like a, like, oh, I've just come in to the apartment after after doing Superman things. It was more about them. It was their relationship, so... And how really being see, Superman impacted the relationship, yeah, but it was more about them. Yeah, so, I mean, it wasn't like she was going off to Iraq and he'd be like, well, I've got to go save, you know, put out a fire somewhere. It was just... <clears> she was there. I don't know. It was sweet, and there was nothing else Superman-related on at the I, time. I think... Yes, so I think it filled a void and it was wholesome. Yeah. And the whole family could watch it. Yeah. Yes, there were some innuendos that were in there. But I think a lot of those those things that were made during that time, that kind of nonsense, it, it's inappropriate now. But... <laughs> right. So, but I do think that, so for me, it, I think it was on a Friday afternoon. Something like that. And I had a thing that I attended every Friday evening. So was that youth? Um, <laughs> we're not we're not uh, going into any background information, but because of that, like I was in like a lift club thing, and so uh, they do the drop off, and then uh, outside would do the pickup. Okay. So then I'd arrive there, and when I arrived, it was always just before. Um, Lois and Clark had started. Mm-hmm. I think it was a 30 minute episode or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it took their father like 30 minutes to get ready from the time I got there. So we'd sit and watch, oh, sit and watch, watch Lois and Clark. Oh, good for you. And mm-hmm. then be like, are we ready to go yet? Because like youth's going to start soon. Oh, and so then, it was youth. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm just going to use the term mm-hmm. youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I remember it in that context. So, I I really enjoyed it, and I found the stuff like entertaining and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't as um, if I had to compare the two, even though it's different ages. When there was the Hulk TV series on TV, and there was this uh, series that we got in South Africa that was in Afrikaans, and then we could play it on the radio and it was in English. It was mm-hmm. called The Hat Brigade. It was these brothers. Okay. And it was like a detective type thing. Mm-hmm. And so, and then the Hulk TV series that uh, Lou Ferrigno was the Hulk mm-hmm. in green paint. Um, I was more invested in that mm-hmm. than I was in Lois and Clark. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed Lois and Clark for a different reason. And so... Like, I wouldn't evaluate it and say it was bad or whatever for that reason. I just felt it was enjoyable at the time. I don't know who the demographic they were aiming at was, actually. It, to me, yes. it felt like young woman. But I couldn't... Today, I couldn't watch it. Yeah, no. It's, it's at too, that stage, I could watch it. It was too... Like, I think my problem with the lowest character was that she was too Jessica Rabbit. Um, they, they were trying to make... I don't know, like, constantly, like, he was just distracted by her the whole time. What's Jessica Rabbit? What does that mean? Like, you know, like a... Uh, long eyelashes, hair, and... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever. 
Go go Google it. Okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Why did you say moving on? What's the next? If I mean, what's the next series topic? She's a different way to moving on. Uh, continuing. <laughs> there you go. No, so that was Lois and Clock. So the next thing that was released was Smallville. Mm-hmm. So what were your thoughts overall for Smallville? So I did not have TV when I was younger. Um, I watched bits of TV at friends' houses and at my grand's, but I didn't, we didn't have TV at home. So I was introduced to Smallville as an adult. A young adult, but as an adult, and I watched the entire... Do you mean adult as in over 18? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but not 25 When yet. Clive and I started dating, uh, and then working together, he gave me um, he gave me copies of uh, Smallville to watch from season one. And I think by that stage, they'd made up until about season seven or se- season six. Um, yeah, I think it was season six, maybe. I gave you season one to four to watch. One to four. All right, there we go. So I'd sit and watch those one after the other every day after work. And I really thoroughly enjoyed Smallville. I don't think there was anything like it on TV. Um, it was it was all the genres mixed up together. It was fantastic. I think my love of comic book type um, material uh, and, and, and media... Um, started with that properly. Okay. Uh, for me, I think Smallville made me more curious as to what people. So even if Smallville was going blogs and that weren't such a big thing. Yeah. We go on the internet and find out. Like they want, like there's so many YouTube channels now where people can give you the origins of things mm-hmm. and tell you what's happening with DC and what's happening with this. So all of that wasn't available. Mm. So Smallville made me more interested in what was the actual story. Mm. Like where did... Because this is a version that probably wasn't fully explored because after Smallville they then created a Smallville comic line. Mm-hmm. And there were other things like Superboy in that, but there wasn't really a series about, in comics, about Superman's, Superman's life growing up. Uh, growing up. Yeah, except for those few flashbacks. That yes. So this continuous thing about Superman uh, clock becoming Superman yeah. was never a thing. Yeah. So that was, it almost felt like it was, it was a special thing for our generation. It was like we grew up with, with Clark growing up. We, yeah, we, grew, yeah. We, we grew up knowing Superman had not become Superman yet. Mm. So that's why when the Brandon Ruth thing was there, it was also... It was good that they didn't cast that guy because he also hadn't become Superman yet in yeah. Smallville. Yeah. And if you want to watch something, I think, go through all of Smallville... And then watch Man of Steel. Yeah. Because you'd have a nice perspective of what it means to be in conflict about doing the right thing. And his father also dies in Smallville. Yeah. 
so it's more detailed about that whole thing, not just individual moment flashbacks. Yeah. And now think about this adult that's now got to choose what they must do. And they went through all of the stuff in Smallville. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a nice time it for the It just emphasizes how it's never black and white. There's yes. like always these shades of grey that he has to decide whether he's doing the right thing. Because sometimes when he pulls here and he thinks, oh, I'm winning, then it's pulling something else down at the same time. Yeah. So, so I, really, I really enjoyed that part of it. Was it perfect? No. Like with all, <laughs> like with all TV series... Um, you get seasons that seem a bit slower and then speed up towards the end or you're like, yeah, these people have run out of story there's now. There's one series, uh, season that was quite dodgy. Eh? You're like, ooh. Right. But you keep watching because you're hoping for the best and then yeah. the next season is better and you're like... Oh, they got the groove again. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was a very... Yeah, it was an interesting thing. So I think that uh, if I had to give um, Smallville... A palatability rating I'd give it a palatability rating of 3 because yeah, I too. could probably re-watch certain episodes over and over mm-hmm. but I haven't even really done the restart of watching the whole series from scratch because mentally I'm in a different place now about watching series Yeah, I know. compared to where I was before Clive has a terrible habit of starting a series with me and then just up and leaving me <laughs> halfway through the series so yeah so yeah um, so that was Smallville. Okay. The animated movie run for... Obviously, we haven't read all the comics, but the animated movie run for Superman. Mm-hmm. You've got them in order. What's your thoughts on that? Well, the Superman Dark Side, uh, Superman You Batman. know the animated things are close to perfect. You, so, you can't... No, so what do you think of the stories that they told? They, they are the stories that are meant to be told. That is intentional. <laughs> and everything, every frame that they put in there is intentional and is necessary to drive the story. So, because it's based on the comics and the comics are well thought out and it's that whole volume or whatever mm. together, it's a complete story mm. and it has many minds working on it. So, mm. it's all weeded out. And I will say one thing though. The Superman that we see in the animated movies is a grown-up Superman. And... He has some. He has some traits about him that are questionable. Um, his almost unwavering support of the government is an is is a concern for me. Um, but apart from that, we as the viewer we expected to already know him in those movies. Yeah, there's no origins in yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. So. Palatability rating for all the standalone Superman animated stuff? Four. Interestingly enough, it's also four because, like, I'll be what? But that's background noise now. Mm-hmm. So that pushes it down to a two. Now it's a three. Because what I do is, like, while I'm working, I'll have it running. Mm-hmm. Because I know what happens in each scene because it's such a thing in my mind. Yeah. How visual it is. So with the audio, I can picture what's happening. So that's it's a, yeah, it's in between a three and a four. Sometimes I'll just walk past his office and stand in the doorway and watch. Yeah, so that's <laughs> so that's that's. He works the, from home. I don't go to his office. Uh, yeah, just in case somebody would put that. Yeah, so that's my uh, palatability rating for. 
animated movies. Yes, animated with Superman in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what we're going to do is next time, um, depending on how you listen listen to this, because we're probably going to split it into like 15 minute sections for like each movie. Mm-hmm. Just so that it's a small thing that you can just watch for a short amount of time or listen to listen for a short to. amount of time. Yeah. Um, but the next time what we're going to do is, um, in, in, in accordance with history, what uh, DC Comics did was they first released Superman. And then they were like, okay, we've made this godlike being. What about a normal, relatable guy that uses his mind? And so... We are going to do our version of this deep dive into Batman. Mm-hmm. And so all the Batman. And yes, I am going to classify Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice as a Batman movie. It is a Batman movie. Right. Superman's in it. But it's a Batman movie. It's a Batman movie. Yeah. So we're um, we going to go all the way. I'm not going to do the... The pajamas Superman, uh, the pajamas Batman. Not going to do that movie. We're going to start <laughs> at the Michael Keaton one. Okay. Batman, and then mm-hmm. go all the way to Batman v Superman. Yeah. So yeah. Justicely, actually, because I have some things to say. <laughs> yes. <Just> next time. <laughs> yeah. So what we'll do is we'll do Superman. Now we've done Superman. We're going to do Batman, and then we're going to do. What I'm going to call team-up movies. So we'll be able to look at the Marvel Universe and Avengers. But we'll, when we talk about DC, we're going to talk about the animated and the theatrical versions of DC team-ups. Yeah. Team-up movies. So, yeah. Thank you again for, for, for tackling this other version of At Home With Us at home with us at the movies yeah. <laughs> and so we'll try to do that you may get at home with us we went to the the vet with the dog yeah or you'll get at home with us we've been outside and we've been playing music mm-hmm. or you'll get at home with us we've been inside watching movies yeah <laughs> we are we'll probably also do at home with us um TV series we're watching now mm-hmm. and like writing different TV series and now we're enjoying them. Yeah. I know there's somebody next to me who has a very high rating for a certain series for whatever reason. But we're going to even do callbacks. Like, it's my OCD. I have to finish. Well, callbacks like Scrubs, True Blood, ah. uh, Seinfeld, The Vampire Diaries. Yep. Uh, CIS, all of that. Like. Shows that were unfairly cancelled way too early. <laughs> Prematurely cancelled people. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so. Until I, then. I hope you enjoyed our look at the movies and I hope that it encourages you to go through and enjoy movies for the creative art that they are mm-hmm. and see what level of palatability you can give a movie. You can also share whatever movies you thought. What you thought of these movies that we've highlighted yeah. in terms of the Superman series, you can send us comments or questions or yeah. your thoughts. But also be encouraged to discuss movies with your friends and families or those who are interested mm-hmm. and just encourage a, a culture of appreciating 
movies for the art that they are. Mm-hmm. People have all these other things about stuff, but I think yeah. we also need to learn to look at it as an art form. Yeah. And just as a side note, yes, Superman did not kill in inverted commas in the comics, but I did like the direction that Zack Snyder had in Man of Steel where Superman did kill because well, he killed Zod. But it was a it was a terrible decision. Yes, it was. A, he was between a rock and a hard place, yeah. and he had to do something. And the person had told him, "I'm never going to stop." And he chose the humans. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, he chose humanity. Yeah. But that type of thing, you have to look at the art, the artistry of it, and what message is trying to bring across. So those types of things, I think, we lose when we. Just watch a movie. Or we go with what other people are talking about as popular. Yeah. Then we forget why we're actually watching something to to enjoy, be transported, have our values challenged, mm. look at things from a different perspective. And yes, we've got many things happening in the world today. But even when we go to Batman v Superman, think of Superman in the context of an alien on Earth. And an alien can be anybody. Anybody who is in a foreign land and that alien story is continued in Batman v Superman and gives you this totally different perspective when you think about how an alien struggles. Mm. And how the person who feels that they belong is challenged Yes. when they have to look at the alien's perspective. Because it doesn't even need to be um, alien, alien. A child can feel alienated in school. Yeah. For whatever reason that they're different. Anybody who's different, yeah. Yeah. So, brilliant art. uh, Brilliant from an artistic perspective. So, that's what I enjoy about the animate, the the comic book movies, is the art of them. So. Until then, thank you and stay safe.